The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast and welcome to I'm glad you joined us on this Tuesday morning, and we're glad you're with us and hope you're having a great day, enjoying the beautiful weather here this part of February, and we're just glad you're with us. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 137 this morning, and I will acknowledge Psalm 137 is a bit of a unique one, as I was just studying it not that long ago and looking it over. It's unique because a lot of the passages come from David or uh, people like that, and they're walking through battles in their life, things of that nature. But this situation, uh, we get to see the mindset of somebody. We actually don't know who wrote this. Uh, Many theologians or commentators believe that might have been Ezra, because this was during the time of captivity in Babylon. And so we're not exactly sure who wrote it, but we do know that it comes from that time. So what we get is we get a little bit of the mindset of what it was like to be in captivity at that time. So here's what I'm going to do. Let's go up. I'm going to read the section. We'll unpack the, packet, um, the verses to get an idea of what we're looking at and then get some application as we come to the end. Psalm 137, verse 1, the Bible says, uh, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. The word Zion simply speaks of Jerusalem. We had hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. And there that and there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it. Raise it even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. So what we see again is somebody, you see him in verse uh, 1. They're sitting by the rivers of Babylon. We're not exactly sure which one, but simply what it is, is it's giving us an understanding that they are in captivity. They've been taken away from their homeland, Jerusalem, Israel, and now they're in captivity. Generally speaking, when they were taken to captivity, these were um, the wise or well-educated trained. This would have been someone like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people like that. They'd been trained in the law. They'd been trained in a lot of the things of life and law and things of that nature. And so Babylon would come and take these people captive and use their knowledge to better equip their land. Uh, But I hope we understand something that's very important for us to understand. We study the idea of someone like Babylon or Israel being in captivity. We always got to look back and under how was they got there. See, God had promised. Jerusalem was supposed to be their place. Israel was their home. It was a reminder of blessing. It was the place that God had promised them. It was the promised land. All these things to it. So you wonder, what is it that got them removed out? Well, we know that God told them all the way throughout the Old Testament, because you have to understand that Israel found itself often in captivity. Generally, about 200 years, they would follow God. There was great blessing from God to them. And God promised, if you obey me, you put no other gods before me, I will bless you. If you choose to follow other gods and worship other gods, there will be captivity. There will be punishment. And generally, what would happen is you'd have a generation or two pass away where the people only remembered what God did. They did not experience what God did. They, they, they heard it. 
because their, their grandparents or parents told them, but they themselves did not experience it. And so they became a bit selfish, self-centered. They wanted to be more like the culture of the day. And so they went after other gods. And I understand for us, we don't fully understand that, but that was a really big deal in the Middle East back in those days. And so after a period of time when they would throw off God, and I'm talking, they would bring these, these idols into the temple and into places where they would worship the other gods, where God Jehovah was supposed to be worshiped. So God would, then he'd send them warnings, and that was through the prophets. And these prophets would preach to them, and, and they often ignored it, and then God would send them into captivity. Uh, read the book of Judges many times. What would happen is then they would use a judge to bring them back out of captivity. There'd be blessing, and they would, the cycle would start over. So this is, this is not abnormal, but what we realize is that they got there because they took their eyes off God, and they wanted to follow the world. It was the world's religions, the world's thinking, the world's this. They didn't really, they knew the truth. They knew what was given to them. They'd seen it. They knew the experience that their ancestors had had. But to them, you ever heard this idea, you know, I know what happened to my grandfather, to someone else, but it won't happen to me. That was the mindset. And I guess we could simply say decisions have consequences. When I choose to go a certain direction, I cannot choose the consequences that come from those decisions. So I must be wise in making decisions. I must follow the example. And I guess, you know, we can see that in American history. Failure to learn from history, if we fail to learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. That's the same idea they went through. So it's wise for us to learn and to grow in these areas. And so let's go to verse 2 as he continues. So he's sitting by this river, and uh, he says in verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Um, I'm looking at the, I'm saying, why doesn't that make any sense? Okay, I'm sorry about that. Verse 2, at 137, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. So he's saying, as we have our harps, the instruments they used to use for worship, and we've just, we've set them aside. We can't even use them anymore because we're not there in Jerusalem. Verse 3, for there they that carried us away captive required us a song that they wasted us, required us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. So, and then let's look at verse 4 to put it in context. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So what happened was they brought their instruments, but the, the captives were like, we want you to sing these worship songs. Now, there could be an awful lot of reasons behind why the captors wanted to hear. Uh, they could have been intrigued by the worship. Some of the commentators believe that. Um, one of the other options is they could have been just been mocking them. You know, you believe in worship, you believe in your God, and you would sit over there and worship your God. Well, what has your God done for you? Look where you are now. So we don't know exactly the reasons why the captors wanted it. Could have been one of many reasons, but we know that they, here's what they said. We're not, we cannot sing these songs in a strange land. They were for Jerusalem. So they were saying, we're not going to do that. Let's go to verse five. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget the cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to my roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Now he says, all these are the things we have. Lord, let us remember you. Because they went back to that temple. They looked back. That was, please remember, Old Testament, the presence of God was in the temple. It was not. Like we, we are, the Bible tells us, we are the body. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which live us, which we have of God. And we are not our own for your bought with the price. So we look at that verse, we realize God has promised with us in the New Testament church, we are, we have the Holy Spirit at all times. If we, if you've been saved, uh, with what's called the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I believe you get at salvation once you're saved, you are baptized, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's different. That's daily. It could be hourly. If I allow God, if I'm free of sin, I allow God to um, I desire His filling and I allow it and I ask for it, then I can have the filling, the directing of the Holy Spirit. They did not have that in the Old Testament. So the presence of God was in Zion, was at this temple. And so they want to look back and say, may we not be so content with the world that we miss 
the presence of Almighty God. And then he goes on, one last thing, he says in verse 7, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, raise it, even the foundation thereof. And then he goes to verse 8, O daughter of Babylon. Verse 8 and 9, he basically says, we look forward to the day that you will deal with restitution. You will be punished for bringing Israel here. So they, they would have known the history. They would have known. And again, if this is Ezra, it's a possibility that he was fully aware of what's going on. That he had warned of this, and now they're there. And from, from Ezra's point of view, that must be so frustrating to, to preach the truth and to know the truth and see all these things, and yet people just ignore. And, and so, again, we don't know exactly who wrote it, but the simple premise is this. They found themselves in a really rough, dark spot due to their own decisions. Now, I'm not going to spend time, as we finish here in the next couple of minutes, I'm not going to spend time talking about good decisions, bad decisions. Here's what I would say. If I'm right with God, may I keep my eyes on Jesus and keep my focus straight. If I'm having a battle, may I keep my eyes back on God. The world's going to come with its battles. If I've made some decisions that have put me in a place I, sh I wish I weren't, let me just turn my face back to Jesus, acknowledge my sin, confess it, get it right with God, and move forward. That's what we desire. That's what we desire to grow in. And so let me encourage you that that's what we would do. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep going forward. If you make a mistake, get it right with God. Move forward. If you come to a realization that your thinking's wrong, adjust it. Uh, you don't have to be in this place. And, I, and you say, God's going to punish us if we make one or two bad decisions. I think God is a very long-suffering God, but he does say in Hebrews, he chastens whom he loves. If I keep going too, wrong, too far in the wrong direction, he will use some level of chastening to draw me back and mostly to protect me from going too far. If I keep going, unfortunately, I have a free will. He will give me that freedom. So may we may be sensitive to the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us and using circumstances to keep our eyes on him, and it might be exactly what he's doing. And if you find yourself in a dark time, you know, when it seems like it's rough, whether you're there because God's allowed you in that trial or your, your decision brought you there, either way, would you just, just keep your eyes on Jesus? Keep looking at him and keep trusting that he's got a plan. He's doing something, and if you keep your eyes on him, at some point you will see his working, and he will work it all out to his glory. Thanks again for giving me the opportunity to be part of your morning, to be part of your day. It's a great privilege to teach the Word of God, and it's just as much a great privilege to be able to teach to, to you, and I greatly appreciate it. I hope this was an encouragement. hope it is a bit of a challenge as we strive in a day that's going further from God that we just keep our eyes on Jesus. Thanks again for giving me a chance to be part of your day. We hope you join us again tomorrow.